0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being here today. I hope that you are already blessed. Man, if, if, if the coffee and the donuts and hanging out before you doesn't bless you, I don't know what, what will. So uh, they're just, it's nice to be part of a church. Man, it's really, really cold, and, and uh, you come inside here, it's a lot warmer. God has really blessed us. So hey, I um, want to remind you of a few things that are coming up at Faith Co. Church. Next weekend will be January the 22nd starting that monday i 'm sorry next weekend is the twenty first starting monday the twenty second thanks sir. I appreciate it starting the twenty second <clears throat> we're kicking off our seven day church wide fast so make sure that you take part in that make sure that you 're a part of, of fasting for the for seven days now there's different ways to fast uh, there is you can you know there there's different diets like you can do the Daniel fast, which you only eat fruits and vegetables. And I've heard some people say that I'm giving up breads or I'm giving up sugar. And, uh, you know, I've heard people say, you know, I'm giving up chocolate for the week. You know, whatever it is, just make sure it's a little bit of a sacrifice. I've heard people say before, I'm giving up coffee. And that was a big deal for some people. Here's the deal. What fasting does in our lives, first of all, it brings honor to God. It says, I'm going to give up something, and I'm going to replace that with some time with God. Or it is going to remind me that I'm sacrificing for the call of God in my life. It does that. It, 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 one, first thing it does, is it brings focus. The second thing that it does, is it brings clarity in our lives. There's nothing that brings focus like not having something that you want. And if you're here today, and maybe you've got some hang-up, you've got something that's destroying your life, I want to strongly recommend that you, that you fast at least for about three days. Food. I, I recommend that. Now, you know, if you've got some issues with health, that's, that's, you, know, uh, you talk to your doctor, okay? So be, be careful about that. But listen, the, the, it's not going to hurt us to go. It wouldn't hurt any of us to go a few days and give up a few things as far as diet, right? Now, here's the key. Fasting implies, from the scripture, fasting implies diet. So there's no such thing as a social media fast right? It has to do with diet. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting television for the entire week. That's my sacrifice. No, it has to do with diet. So make sure you're a part of that. And I believe that God is going to bless us for, for jump-starting our year by honoring God in these, in these seven days. Amen? I want to challenge you in this. Say, that's a little bit of a challenge, giving up something, giving up meat, or some people give up food for the entire week. Given, that is a challenge. But anything worthwhile in your life is usually a challenge. You believe that? All right, so let's kick off this message today with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, and I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have to be here to serve you, Lord, and I pray that you will speak to every person. Speak to our hearts and our lives. Bring change where change needs to happen, Lord, as we endeavor to break ground in this new year. In Christ's name, and everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you need to let it go. That's what I'm talking about today. Taking ground, moving forward in your life, is about letting some things go in your life. Now, this series, Taking Ground, we've been talking about Joshua and the Israelites. Remember, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, Israel was on the brink of the Jordan River. God uh, dried up, or he, he made the river of Jordan roll back, and they walked across. And all of a sudden, as millions of people walk into walked across that Jordan River. All of a sudden, it was a a surreal moment. This is Canaan. This was the land. Have you heard the expression, the promised land? Have you heard the expression, the land flowing with milk and honey, which was talking about, I mean, milk and honey, that wouldn't do much for us right now, but it's talking about the provision that God was going to give them in their land, the food. They would not go through famines and things like that because God was taking them into a place of blessing. This was Canaan. Joshua took them through that, and as they stepped over there, here it was. But the thing was, Canaan had to be conquered. So they would go on a few years of wars, and they would overcome about 30-plus kingdoms and nations. Listen to me. Anything that God does in your life, any kind of opportunity that God places in your life, it will come in the form of something that will have to be conquered. But as God was with them, God will always be with you. Amen? Now, we talked about this last couple of weeks. First, I began talking to you about this message, message that taking ground first begins with a new mindset. That we're going to have to think differently about our lives. We're going to have to think differently about what it is to set a goal. About what it is to be resolved about something. And then, last week, Payton preached a message. He talked about if you're going to get to something, you got to go through something. So. There is a process that takes place in order for God to get you from point A to point B. There is a journey and there is a process. Well, today I want to talk to you about taking ground and what that means as far as letting go. If you're going to go forward and take ground in this new year, if you're going to accomplish some things in your life, then you're going to have to learn to let go of a few things. In Joshua 24 and 14, we'll read that here in just a second. But this was, this was after Israel had conquered all of the land. This was after they had gone through all these wars. We began in Joshua, the first chapter. This is Joshua, the 24th chapter. This was after God had, had completely given them everything. They'd, there, were, there were no more wars to be fought right now. And he brings all of the leaders of Israel together and he issues them a challenge. He says, I want to talk to you about something before everybody gets land. I mean, they're dividing the land up, 12 different tribes of Israel. Everybody gets a portion of the land of Israel. And as that's being done, he brings all the leaders in and he says them to these things. He says, fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers that they worship beyond the river in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river, the Jordan River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You see, this was on the brink of allotting and possessing the land of Israel. This was or the land of Canaan. Joshua decreed a challenge to these people to let go of a lifestyle, to let go of the gods of their forefathers. He said, we're about to step into a brand new land. This is the land of promise. This is the land that had been prophesied to us over 700 years ago. This is what God has, has told us he was going to do, and now God has done it. So here's what I want you to do. In order for us to possess this, in order for, God, for us to walk in the blessings of God in this new land that we're about to receive, I want you to let go of some of the things that you grew up with. I want you to let go of your past life. I want you to let go of, of, of your past gods and, and what happened to you and your forefathers and all these things that happened. Let go of those things in order to seize what God wants to do. Listen to me. If we don't do this now, I believe that this is what he was saying to him, and I believe that that this might be what God wants to say into your life right now. If we don't seize this moment right now, if we don't seize this opportunity right now, we will miss the opportunity that is right in front of us. Amen? That's what Joshua was saying. Taking ground means letting go of what's behind you. You see, if we don't let go of what is behind us, it will rob us of what is right in front of us. If you don't let go of what has happened to you, if you don't let go of what you've done, if you don't let go of past mistakes, it will rob you of what is staring you in the face right now, and it will rob you of what God wants to do in your future. So many times we see things, we see some... So so many times we see something in life that we believe is God's will for our lives. I mean, it's ours for the taking. In fact, it's not only God's will for us, it's also our desire. But a lot of times we'll hesitate or we'll shy shy back. We, We feel insecure. Have you ever experienced that in life? I mean, you really felt like this was God's blessing. You really felt like because you prayed about it, you thought it was God's will. But you were unprepared for that. Maybe it's because you were too busy looking back or believing things about your past or believing things that happened. Maybe this was too good to be true. Have you ever experienced that in life? Have you ever come face to face? Or let me ask you something. What if you were to come face to face with what you were praying and believing that God was going to do in your life? What if you were to come face to face with that? I mean, you have these aspirations, you set these goals, you have these dreams, you pray about these things, but what if it were to be right in front of you right now, today? Would you be prepared? Or would you shy back? Would you say, I don't know if I can do that? I don't know if I don't and that's, and, and that's what was going on, that's what was going on in the life of Israel. These were a wishy, washy people. These were people that 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 couldn't make up their mind, even staring Canaan right in the face. He was having to say to them, You need to make a decision right now. You need to stop looking back. You need to stop trusting in the gods of Egypt. You need to to walk away from that once and for all. Seize the moment or lose the moment. Let me go back to that question What if you were to be standing right in front, or what you were praying for God to do in your life? What if you were to come face to face with that? Would you be ready? Would you be prepared? Or would you shy away from it because you're moving in fear or operating in fear? In 1984, I was 16 years old. And just to give you an idea of what was going on in the world, uh, or the time frame that we were in, some of the movies that were released were The Terminator. You remember that movie? The Terminator. Footloose got released that year. Get it? Footloose got released? Footloose got, Okay. That just happened. It was a natural thing. Uh, the Karate Kid, The Gremlins, that's a few of the movies that were released that year. I, I'll spare you the songs and the styles. But that's about, that's, that was the decade and that was the year. I, uh, I had a Jeep, 1978 Jeep CJ-5. Does anybody remember what a Jeep CJ-5 looked like? If you're not probably 40 or 50 years old, you won't remember because they had to quit making them. They were short and narrow, and people were rolling them. In fact, that's what I ended up totaling mine, but that's a different travesty, okay? My Jeep had a V8 in it. It was a three-speed. It had headers on it. It had a three-inch lift kit on it, and it had 31-inch mudder tires and chrome wheels. It was the baddest Jeep you ever did see. It was really, really cool. And uh, I I uh, I went to a private school. But a lot of times when our sports, and you know it was coming to the end of the spring or whatever, when our sports was, was done, I would go and I would visit some of my friends at, at public school or some of the community schools because I liked watching them play sports. And while I was there one night, we grew up in Ecumseh, while I was there, a certain cheerleader caught my eye, and all of a sudden I was more interested in the basketball games. And uh, I, I asked around a little bit about her, and come to find out she was two years old. I was a sophomore. She was two years older, so I thought, well, I don't know. I've probably got no game with a senior. I think she had a, a boyfriend in college and whatnot, but that, that never stopped me from being interested in the games and going over and sitting in the cheering section. I, 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 I found out that, that uh, she was the head cheerleader. Now, you know what the head cheerleader is. She's the one that stands there and says, ready? Okay. <laughs> Which was very impressive. You know, then they do their whatever that is. And... <laughs> so I, was, I would go to the games and and uh, some time passed and then one of the most bizarre things that ever happened to me happened one night now when I was a kid they don't do this anymore when I was a kid we did something called cruising there was a couple of places in Pottawatomie County that you would cruise does anybody remember where it was and what we called it in Shawnee it was called what? (laughs) cruising the poo you do remember that? (laughs) cruising the poo now that was actually a cool thing because there was not a lot to do. So what, what, what this looked like would be down K- Kickapoo Street from about Independence all the way to MacArthur, there would be cars lined up along Kickapoo, and it was just a bunch of social activity. And then loitering became against the law. Standing around staring became against the law, so they made everybody leave. That's why we don't do it anymore. But... Anyway, you'd just drive along and you would see people, you, then you'd pull over and you'd talk to them. in Tecumseh, it was down Walnut or Highway 9, and then you turned and you headed south on Broadway to the car wash, or there was a place to turn around right there, and, and that's, that's what we did on Friday and Saturday nights. Well, after a basketball game one night, it, this was a very bizarre thing. I was driving, I was making my last cruise around, you know, down South Broadway, right around where the car wash, car wash was back then. And, I'm, you know, I'm driving my Jeep along, no top on the Jeep, no doors, everything, just enjoying myself. And all of a sudden, I looked over to the right, and there was that cheerleader. Like, standing on the side of the road, like, completely discarded, okay? So, you know, I'm, I'm driving along, and I'm like, I t- take a double take, she's down tying her shoe in her cheerleading outfit, okay? Somebody got rid of a cheerleader. <laughs> anyway, so I'm like, what in the world? So, you know, I, you know, I, I turn around this way in my Jeep. And I turn around back this way and I pull up beside her. And I'm like, hey, uh, do you need a... Is there, and I didn't even finish the sentence. She jumped up, snapped on her seatbelt and said, let's go. So I'm like, okay. So I was scared to death, all right? Come to find out her, her and her boyfriend got in an argument or something. And he, she's like, just let me out. You know how women are. So anyway, she's, she, I'm driving. And as I'm driving, I'm so afraid of this situation. Now keep in mind... I was wishing something like this would happen, but when it hit me right in the face, I was like, "I got nothing. I got nothing." You know, she's she's like, "Let's go." So I'm like, "Okay." So, you know, it was a three speed. (laughs) You kids don't know what a three speed is. anybody anybody have a three speed? You know, no. So we're driving along, and and I, I don't say anything to her, like. Like five minutes, I'm saying nothing. I'm th- part of me is saying Travis, say something to her, say something. And the other part of me said, don't say anything, Travis. Just ride. So I'm watching her, and, and she's like over there. You know, she's got my visor down. She's fixing her makeup. And back then, we feathered our hair, parted in the middle. And she's feathering her hair back. And you know, she's looking at herself and fixing it. And uh, I'm like, uh, uh, my name is uh, my name is Travis. And she she and I said. Uh, what's your name? Like, I don't know. I said, what's your name? And she goes, you know, she's looking in, she goes, you know exactly who I am, Travis Hurst. So I'm like, oh, I I guess I do. I guess I do. So so we kept driving. So like, I still didn't say anything after about another five minutes. And finally she looks over at me and she goes, hey, you want to just take me home? And, you know, I was like, oh, no, that's not what I want. I mean, ride around with me for another 30 minutes in awkward silence. Let's do that. So anyway, I, I drop her off, and, and, and uh, here's the deal. Not ever again did I ever have a conversation with that girl again. Never again. I mean, I, would, I, you know, I had this, this, you know, high school crush on her, but I never had another conversation with her. I never had a moment like that. And, and, and the thing is, is I drove to that spot for the next six months hoping, you know, she got kicked out and discarded again. But it never happened again. Get this. For the last, that was like, like over 30 years ago. For the last 30 years, I have never happened upon across a discarded cheerleader on the side of the road. It has never happened again. And even today, it'd be kind of out of context. It'd be like, honey, where are your, where are your parents? Here's my phone. Did you run out of gas? You know what I'm saying? It's not the same thing. But, but the, the thing is, is, it was a moment in time That I thought would really be cool if it ever happened. But if it did happen, I was completely, and when it did happen, I was completely unprepared. You know, we're having a lot of fun at my expense. Which is, you guys somehow have always enjoyed that. But can I, if I can just be serious for a second, because I've had some real moments, blow it moments in my life where I thought, I missed that. I've had opportunities in my life where, where I felt like God was staring me straight in the face and because of insecurities or because of things that I was holding on to in life and, and, and because that I, I didn't believe that, that God was doing this my, or whatever, I blew it. And I never had the opportunity to do that again. Have you ever had a moment like that? Let me ask you something. Uh, what, is your, what was your cheerleader on the side of the road moment in your life? Maybe I should reword that. But what is the moment in your life that that you really felt like you blew it? Well, let me tell you something. If you're going to take ground in the future of your life, you're going to have to let go of those I blew it moments. At some point in your life, you're going to have to say, you know what, I just got to let that go. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to let it go. If this is your year to take ground, you got to let some things go. First of all, I got three of these. I'm only going to cover one today you got to let go because there are things in your life that you got to forget about. you got to let go of stuff because you got to learn to forget some things that have happened to you, some things that you've done, some mistakes. I'm talking about things that you can't do anything about. Now, if you can do something about something, that's different. But if you can't do anything about it, you're going to have to forget about it. Forget about it. Say that to your neighbor. Don't say it like somebody from Pottawatomie County. Say it like my Italian grandfather. Forget about it. You'd need a cigarette to say it like my grandfather. And <laughs> in Philippians, the third chapter in the 12th verse, I'm about to read it to you. The Apostle Paul, I believe, was taking a look on some of the things that he had done and some of the things of his past life as he, was, as he was making some decisions. And listen to what he says in Philippians 3 and 12. He says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own brothers I do not consider that I have made it my own but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus now if you know the story of Paul before he gives his life to Christ he persecuted Christians I mean, he drugged people out of their homes. He was a part of the first martyr. And that was Stephen, who was a leader of the New Testament church, the church in Jerusalem. And somewhere not long after that, God called and saved the Apostle Paul. And see, I believe that there were parts and there were seasons of his life where he would go back and he would think about that. The Bible in Acts actually talks about the look on Stephen's face before he took the last stone in the face before he became unconscious. And the Apostle Paul, he probably he probably remembered that. He probably, once he started suffering in his life, once he started going through some things and some heartache and some shipwreck and, and all these things that were happening to him every now and then, he probably would look back at some point in his life and think about all the turmoil that he put Christians through. I remember what What God said to Ananias, Ananias was the guy who prayed for the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul was was struck with blindness for a season, and as he was there for three days, God says, Ananias, I want you to go talk to the Apostle Paul. I want you to pray for him. He's going to be a servant of mine. And then he goes on to say this, right now I'm revealing to him what he must suffer for me. And don't I, I believe that that made up the Apostle Paul's journey just a little bit, the suffering, I mean, every now and then, he'd probably say, it's okay, man, the things that I've done, all the turmoil, all the persecution that I caused, all of these people. At some point, though, if he was going to move on, I believe that that's what he was dealing with right now, he had to let some things go. Here's what he said. He said, first of all, I'm going to make it my own. In other words, I'm going to own this, these things that I've done. These things that I have to deal with, I'm going to own these things. I'm not going to count on other people to give me opportunities. I'm not going to wait around and see what somebody has to say about me. In fact, I don't care what others are doing. I'm going to own this. I'm going to own this season in my life, and I'm going to do something about this. And then he goes on to say something else. I'm not where I want to be. I haven't obtained it yet, he says. I'm going to own it, but I am not where I want to be. I'm not perfect. I haven't accomplished everything that I intend to accomplish for God. But here's what I'm going to do. In order to move forward, in order to walk forward in what God has for me, to be where I want to be this time next year or wherever he was going, I've got to put those things behind me. I've got to put my past behind me. The things that I've done, the things that people have done to me, this one thing, say one thing. This one thing, he says, I've got to forget about those things. I've got to forget about those things that I can do nothing about. I've got to forget about those things that even if I've hurt people. If I can't do anything about it, I've got to stop worrying about it. I've got to put those things behind me. You believe that Say, man? I believe what he was saying is, from a practical point of view, I believe he was saying, I'm going to intentionally forget these things. I'm going to have some selective memory when it comes to my past. You know, when we don't practice selective memory or when we don't intentionally forget some things that have happened in our lives, I believe it puts us into this cycle of regret. This, I call it a cycle of regret. Let me show you here just for a second. Here's what happens a lot of times. And this is, this is some things that I've experienced in life. A lot of times what happens is When we don't forget the things that have happened to us the first thing that we do is we revisit it and then we rehearse it we relive it and then we regret it let me break that down we revisit it that means that we go back to a place or a time in our lives where something happened to us or we made a terrible mistake or even sin we revisit that place and when we revisit we begin to rehearse that in our minds, and we remember how we were hurt, or we remember the mistake, and remember how it made us feel. It takes us back. It's like total recall. It takes us back to that place, and then we relive it, which means we might even begin to delve in that, or maybe make the same mistake again, or maybe when we relive it, we, we, you know, we carry baggage through life that we place on our kids, and we see some kind of the same cycles in their lives, and then when that happens, we end up regretting it. Because we wish we could change. That's what happens when we don't forget. That's what happens when we don't let things go. When we don't let things go, we don't forget these things. We live in a cycle of regret. It's a very, very vicious cycle. Listen to me. Stop going back to the places in your life that are messed up. Stop stop revisiting those areas. Stop going back. We need to stop going back to the places that we messed up in our lives, revisiting, rehearsing, reliving, and regretting. If, if uh, this, this brings up another point. Is forgetting a choice? Because there's a really good chance that you were sitting there thinking, I can't forget. I mean, that's exactly what you were thinking. You were thinking, I can't forget. Why are you saying that? Why are you up there saying, Travis, you need to forget? Forgetting is, I mean, we have phrases for that. I mean, I, I, I can't forget, you know, maybe God can forget, but I can't forget. Only God has the power to forget. I don't know, I don't know about that. Let me, let me, let me just give you an example. Let's say that if you've raised kids, you've been through this before, let's say Saturday rolls around, you go in to your kids' bedrooms and you wake them up just say, hey, we're going to go into town, we're going to do a few things, we're going to hang out, we're going to have a really good time, eat some pizza, whatever, and then we're going to come back and, and uh, we're going to watch some TV. But before we go anywhere, make sure you clean your room, okay? And uh, then you leave and you completely trust that they're going to do what you ask them to do and then everybody goes to town, you come back and then you're about to watch television, you're enjoying your day, then you walk past your kid's room, you look in there and it's a wreck. In fact, it was worse than how you left it and you think to yourself, how in the world does that happen? So you say to your kid, you say, hey, what happened? Why didn't you clean your room? And then they look at you and they, they say these, three word, these two words, what? I forgot. You know, most of the time, and I agree, they're not lying. What happened was what you asked them to do, they said yes, they intended to do it, but they brain dumped. In other words, they decided to put that into an area of their brain that was considered unimportant. That makes sense. I mean, I do that all the time. That I have these lists. I have to write things down the beginning of the week or Sunday night when I'm planning my week. I write these things down and I set it on the side. And and then Wednesday rolls around. I'm thinking, why did I do A, B, or C or one, two, and three? What I did is I said, well, these things are not as important. I completely forgot about it. Friday gets here and I didn't get that done. What did I do? I brain dumped. I put that in an area that was not, not important. Now listen. If it were important, if, if I have on my list, buy a guitar this week, you better know that that guitar is going to get bought, okay? But the other things, other things are important, like replace the light bulbs in the house, or something that, ah, that's just not important. We have the ability to compartmentalize the things in our lives and make them important or unimportant that is selective memory. And let me tell you something, that's one way that we don't forget let me tell you the trouble with forgetting a lot of times. First of all is because is, is we don't rehearse it or we do rehearse it. But the other thing is a lot of times we don't forget because we don't forgive. Now listen to me. When it comes to people hurting you, when it comes to things that you've done, the key to forgetting something in life is to forgive, to go back in that moment and to forgive what somebody has done to you or to forgive yourself for the things that you've done, especially when it comes to wrongs. Hebrews 8 and 12 says this, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. I will forgive them and never remember. In other words, God practices forgiving and forgetting. Why do we go back and conjure up and try to relive things that God has forgiven and forgotten in our lives. We do that so many times. If God God has forgiven you for something, why would you go back and try to remember those things? God has forgotten those things. Why do we keep bringing it up? Listen to me. Why do you keep reliving what God has forgiven? Why do you keep reliving what God has forgiven? I have found out, through years of experience, that couples who stay together have learned the art of forgiving one another. People who who stay together, it's not because they're, they're madly in love more than the other couple, but people who have decided to stay together are people who have learned to forgive each other. But you can't forgive him or you can't live with him if you can't forgive him. You can't live with her if you can't forgive her. People who don't practice forgiveness don't usually end up staying together. I mean, you can't look at a person if you can't forgive that person. You don't want to look at them because you despise them. You You can't sleep in the same bed as a person if you can't forgive them. I mean, you're laying in bed, and you're like, don't even touch me. You don't get any flat foot tonight. You know what I'm saying? Get away from me. Go sleep somewhere else. I don't even want to, you see him in the morning, you're like, oh. <laughs> I don't even want to look at you. Why? Because you can't forget. You can't, you can't live with someone if you can't forgive someone. Listen, some of you guys need to hear this. If you're going to stay together, you've got to learn and practice forgiveness in the same way. Listen, you can't live with yourself if you don't learn to forgive yourself. You'll never be able to live with yourself. You can't look in the mirror every day. You can't look at yourself. You're, you're saying, man, I can't stand that guy. Travis, I hate you. Why did you do this to yourself? Why, why would anybody say that? Because they can't forgive themselves. You can't, you can't sleep with yourself. You lay in bed wide awake staring at the ceiling because of the things that you've done when you can't forgive yourself. You can't encourage yourself. You can't be kind to yourself. You can't live with yourself if you don't learn to forgive yourself. I want to read something to you as far as forgiveness. In Psalm 103 and 12, it says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. I want you to try to wrap your mind around how far the east is from the west. He has removed our sins. I think that what he's talking about there is infinity. That he has taken our sins and removed them to infinity. The prophet Micah says it like this that you have cast our sins into the depths of the sea. That, that there are places in the ocean that are 35, 36,000 feet deep that nobody can go that deep. He has cast our sins into the depths of the sea. God has taken your sins, the things that you've done wrong, the things, the things that you've done to other people, the things that you've hurt yourself, you've hurt your family, all of these things, the mistakes, the things that you could go back to that moment in time and redo and relive, and oh, if I could only do that, God has taken those things, and this is what they mean to him. He has bagged them up in a trash bag and thrown them as far as they can be. Never to be remembered, and he has forgotten about them. He has discarded and thrown those in the dump. Why do you keep dumpster diving the things and bringing up things that God has forgiven you for? Amen? You don't have a right to do that. And I want to tell you something you will never, ever be, take, be able to take ground in your life until you learn to let go. You will never. Learn to let go until you learn to forgive. Once once you begin to address these things, to forgive people, then and only then can you truly forget. And I speak from experiences. There are things that people have done to me in my life, and there are things that I've done that I had to come to a place that I couldn't look at myself in the mirror until I said, I've got to let this go. I've got to forgive this person. I've got to ask this person for forgiveness. And once I did this, it was the most freeing thing. Listen to me. The most freeing thing that you can do in your life is forgive. Forgiveness is not about that other person that has wronged you. Forgiveness is about you releasing that person, releasing what God Releasing what that person has done in your life in order for you to forget about it and move on. If you're going to take ground in your life, you got to let some things go. Amen. Let me pray with you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today, for bringing us here today. And I thank you, Lord, that you have addressed these things in the lives of people. I know, Lord, that you've spoken. To me today, God, these are issues in my life that that need to be taken apart and reassembled. So I pray, Lord, that you will begin to do that in the lives of people right now. Lord, people that need to address some unforgiveness. People that need to release some things in their lives. Lord, I pray that people will begin to let some things go. I believe and I'm trusting, Lord, that people will begin to practice selective memory when it comes to hurt and pain and sin and mistakes whatever that looks like in the lives of people in the name of Jesus as your heads are bowed and and maybe you're evaluating some things that are going on in your life I want to talk to you for a second I'm I'm about to pray for you and this prayer is not about whether or not you live for God this is not about your salvation you live for God he's Lord and Savior of your life This prayer is for you. I'm going to pray for those that don't know Christ here in just a second. But right now, I want to address you. Maybe you're here and you're harboring some things in your life that you're not letting go. That you can't forget the wrongs that have happened to you and you continue to bring these up. And it's affecting your life and it's affecting your relationship. It could be even affecting your marriage. You can't forgive your spouse because of something you can't forgive. Or maybe it's you. Maybe you're the problem. That when you look in the mirror every single day, you're reminded of things that you've done. You're reminded of, of what you should have done that you didn't do. Or you're reminded of the mistakes that you've made or the things that you've done that you can't fix. That there is no remedy. And if there's nothing that you can do about it, then you've got to let it go. And to let it go, you've got to forgive yourself. Whether it's forgiving others, whether it's forgiving yourself. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. If you're sitting next to somebody that you love, take that person by the hand. The Bible talks about the strength and the power and the unity of people praying together. Let's pray together as I pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. And thank you, Lord, for meeting us where we are. And I thank you for speaking to us. I know, Lord, that when we deliver messages and we communicate these things, I know, Lord, that you want to do business with people. So I pray, Father, that you will confront us and bring change where it needs to happen for those that need to be forgiven, for those that need forgiveness, for those of us that need to let things go. Whatever needs to happen in the lives of people today, I pray that you will work your work in the lives of people. I pray, Lord, Father, that that we learn to forget by forgiving. That we can move forward and walk into the promised land, into the blessings of God. Your word says that you came to this world that we might have an abundant life. Not only the the next life, but also in this life, God. That we will be healthy and whole spiritually, emotionally, physically, Lord. Father, we can't walk through this life holding on to things in our past, so bring healing and change in the lives of these people in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. If you will continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here and you don't know Christ, and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, for whatever reason, you can say, Travis, I I walked away from God at some point in my life. I used to live for God. But I walked away from him and I really feel like he's calling me home today. Today's a good day to come home. Or maybe you could say, Travis, I have never surrendered my life to the Lord. I have never asked him to be Lord and Savior of my life. And today I want to know that he's Lord and Savior. And I want to experience eternal salvation. If that's you, I would like to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to make it very easy. I'm just going to say a prayer and you repeat it after me like we always do in this church, and I won't embarrass you in any way. I won't ask you to stand and walk the aisles, anything like that. I want you to just be right where you are and pray a prayer. In fact, the entire church prays together. But in order for me to pray this prayer, I want to know that I'm praying for people. I want to know if people are serious about giving their life to Christ. It matters to me. So just between you, me, and God, if you can say, Travis, if you'll pray that prayer I want you to pray for me, and I'm going to pray it with you real quickly. Just slip your hand up and slip it down with nobody looking around. I see your right hand right here, right there. Anybody else? I see your hands right there. I see all of your hands right there. Anybody else? One more time, then we're going to pray. I just want to make sure I'm not missing anybody. Okay, we're going to pray. I don't know if I saw everybody's hand. I know we had a few. And as we pray, just know that God saw your hand and God saw your heart. Even if I didn't see your hand, even if you didn't raise your hand, the most important thing is as you say this prayer and mean it and come home to God. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I am before you today and I give you my life. Jesus, I invite you to be Lord and Savior for my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and wash me whole. I confess that I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. So today I give you my life, and from this moment on, I am committed to you. So take my life and use it for your cause in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate.